Hey, I'm Sheena, former miserable corporate attorney turned full-time calligrapher and creative entrepreneur. I used to feel like I was living my life for other people, and now I am more true to myself than ever. And each week, I'm sharing a short but powerful lesson that I've learned on that journey. So if you're looking for a way to get more creativity and possibility into your life, you're so in the right place. Let's dive right in. Hello, creative friends. Welcome back to The Sheena Show. This episode, I'm tackling something really concrete, but something I get asked about all the time (laughs) Um, because there is some confusion behind it. So I figured me with my law background and very analytical Harvard-trained brain um, should kind of finally put down what my thoughts are on this Um, and my advice. So the issue is calligraphy and copyright. So this is the version, you know, some version of this question that I get asked all the time. Um, You know, uh, it's somebody who does calligraphy. Maybe they are just starting a calligraphy business or they have a calligraphy side hustle. And they come to me and ask, Sheena, someone wants to pay me to write like their wedding song lyrics in calligraphy. But then I thought about it and like, is, am I allowed to do that or am I going to get into copyright trouble? Right? Or insert your version here, a poem, um, I, I don't know, a quote from a movie, anything, right? Um, so let's get into this. I'm going to give you the short answer and then I'm going to give you the longer answer and we're going to get into what is the difference between copyright and other IP stuff that often gets confused with it like trademark and what are the questions you need to consider and how can you kind of come out the other end with a much more informed decision on this so the short answer to this question is you might be violating copyright law but you probably won't get in trouble for just this one job. That's the short answer. The long answer is, uh, it's a little more complicated. (laughs) So I'm going to try and explain it in easy to understand terms. Let's first look at the law. And I do have to put in a little disclaimer here. I am not currently a practicing lawyer um, with the California Bar. So this is not personalized legal advice. This is just my own experience, my own knowledge, you know, um, as a professional calligrapher and former lawyer. All right. So with that out of the way, let's first, when we get into the law, distinguish between copyright and trademark. Because they are two different things that often get jumbled together. Um, Right. Copyright laws first, are designed and were kind of created, made to protect creators. The whole idea is that people who create original stuff, make stuff, come up with original ideas, like they should get some protection from other people coming in and stealing their stuff and claiming it as their own. We want to incentivize people to go out and create stuff, right? And if you could just get your stuff stolen and used by someone else, you wouldn't have much incentive to keep coming up with genius things, right, out of your unique brain. So here's a concrete example. So imagine you've spent months um, working on like a a poem. You know, it's a nice short poem. You labor over each word. You get the rhythm just right. You, You post it on Instagram. And then three months later, you see someone making money 
selling t-shirts with your poem right on there in, in huge print and they're making good money off of it, you would probably be pretty upset, right? I mean, I would be. That's something like you created it out of your heart and mind and then now somebody else is profiting off of it and using it however they want. So copyright is meant to address that kind of a situation. So the, the law gets, of course, the law is a complicated thing and there's a lot of nuance and technical stuff. I'm going to try and be as least technical as possible. But what happens is according to the law, as soon as you create an original work, so a painting, a calligraphy piece, a sculpture, a photograph, um, it, when you create an original work, you are immediately protected by copyright law as the creator of that work without even having to do anything. All you did is create it and put it out into the world, right? But copyright law says that as soon as you do that, you immediately get copyright protection. So that means that you as the creator have the exclusive right to like do these things or prohibit these things, reproduce the work, adapt the work, create a derivative works based on the original work, um, publicly perform or display the work, distribute or sell copies of the work, um, broadcast the work. So all of these things, you are protected as the copyright owner. But here's where it gets tricky. It can be hard to prove that. The law says you're protected as the copyright owner, but in reality, if this were to come up and you were to sue someone, you would have to go into court and show evidence and proof that you actually are the creator. You can't just say it, right? You have to produce something so that the court and everyone kind of believes you. This is where copyright, like um, filing with the copyright office comes into play. If you register your work with the U.S. Copyright Office, it just makes your rights more official and visible and recorded. It doesn't give you the rights. It just makes it so that you could go into court and get in front of the judge and say, look, and pull out your copyright that you filed with the Copyright Office and say, see, I'm the creator. And that would be that, right? The judge would believe you. Um, it's kind of like, the analogy I like to use is like, it's a baby, like a baby. Let's say a baby gets born. Um, and you know, once the baby's born and is a human in this country, they have all the, you know, legal protections that a human has, but if there's no birth certificate, so no official record or documentation, it's like much harder to prove that this baby exists, you know, and can get the social security and, and food stamps and health and whatever, right. The government produces. So Hope that makes sense. Um, just to close this out, an example of a copyrighted work might be, uh, say, Moana, the Moana, any Moana artwork, the characters, right? Uh, the Moana soundtrack, the Moana script, all of that is like creations, right, from the Disney Corporation, and they are copyrighted works. Okay, so you with me? Clear? All right, let's turn to trademark laws which are a distinct separate thing. Trademark laws are meant to protect businesses. So mostly they protect like commercial names and phrases and logos. So the idea here is that, you know, other soda companies shouldn't be able to just put Coca-Cola on their soda, right? The name or the logo, right? Or even maybe like a very similar color scheme. Um, they shouldn't be able to do that. 
because it sucks for Coca-Cola, first of all, right? Coca-Cola put so much money into uh, developing their logo and their branding and, you know, printing it all over the place and building up brand recognition. It would really suck for them if everyone else, every other business could just use the Coca-Cola name. Probably they would, they would not be incentivized to do that, right? But also it's protection for the consumers, if I go out there and I want real Coca-Cola, but then there's this other company that is selling fake Coca-Cola and I can't tell the difference between the two. And maybe fake Coca-Cola is like kind of, it's got poison in it or something, whatever, right? It's bad for the consumer. So that is trademark law. Um, so the concrete example here is imagine you spent hours coming up with like your unique calligraphy business name. And then you paid a graphic designer 500 bucks to create a logo for you, you know, with your own, you know, handwritten calligraphy in it. And you really love it. And you put it out there on Instagram. And then you saw some other calligrapher using that exact same business name and logo to promote their own products. Like you would be pretty pissed. So that's what trademark laws are trying to protect, right? So you can see how it's, it's similar to copyright in that you're kind of protecting original, unique things to you, but copyright is much more for like created works and trademark is much more on the like names and logos and phrases, much more distinct things that a business owns, all right? So trademark, in order for you to be protected by trademark laws, you have to register your trademark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Um, you also have to continuously protect it so you can't just register your trademark and then ignore it. You have to be actively protecting your rights to it. So you have to be looking to see if anybody else is using your business name and logo. And if somebody else does use it, you have to send them a cease and desist letter. Like you have to do that in order to keep up this protection. Because the idea is if you're not going to put in the effort to protect it um, and actively stop people from doing it, then it's you probably it's not worth protecting you know? So an example of a trademark would be like the Disney name and logo and probably even like Moana, the name and logo, right? You can't just use the Moana logo exactly the way it is. I don't know about the name Moana because Moana is probably just like a, a name, <laughs> maybe like an indigenous name. I don't know. So anyway, um, again, there are nuances, but hopefully that clarifies for you what is copyright versus what is trademark. So now let's apply this to the situation of, you know, a, can I write song lyrics and calligraphy? I'm going to start by telling you a personal story like this actually happened to me. Um, and I think it illustrates, you know, some of these, some of these concepts. So um, when I first quit law in 2013, um, I, you know, was exploring, wanted to do something creative, knew I had some, you know, creativity in me, but I didn't quite know what business I wanted. I tried knitting. So that was one of the many businesses that I kind of tried out before I found calligraphy. Um, I have, you know, knit my entire life. My grandma taught me. So I had an Etsy shop for a few months where I sold knitted scarves and cowls and knitting patterns. And at the time, the Hunger Games, the movies had just come out and they were really popular. And you know that um, in the, the first Hunger Games movie, Katniss, the main character, wears that really cool, like over the shoulder, chunky knit thing. It's, it's She wears it over a leather jacket. It's like 
one shoulder. It's kind of got a unique look to it. It got, you know, it got pretty popular. So I created something similar, not exact, but similar. Um, And then I named it the Katniss Cowl and I listed it on my Etsy shop. And I was pretty proud of it because it looked pretty cool and it was pretty easy to knit. And I even showed up in the number two slot on like a Google image search for Katniss Cowl. I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm succeeding. And then (laughs) shortly thereafter, I got a very scary cease and desist letter from Etsy saying intellectual property policy violation. And it was a very stern, you know, official looking notice that said, you know, we have deactivated your listing and this is why you have violated, you know, intellectual property rights and, you know, we're taking it down and blah. So I I got that, I got that email. I just remember my heart racing like, oh no, oh no. I'm getting in trouble. They found me out. I've done something wrong. I've run afoul of the law. What's going to (laughs) happen? So fortunately, the fix was very easy and I was not in very much trouble. Um, Etsy tends, I think to Etsy, I don't know what their current uh, policy is now, but they do try and give you a warning. Um, And this was just a warning. So what I did was I just changed the name from Katniss Cowl to Huntress Cowl. So I, you know, just made sure that any like words that were trademarked by the Hunger Games franchise um, were just kind of out of my product listings and descriptions and and all of that. And then I, you know, put the listing back up and it was fine because Huntress is not a trademarked thing. And I was not copying like an exact pattern or knitting pattern or something and then stealing it and selling it as my own. I had created my own thing. So that was how I kind of ran afoul of the trademark laws, but not the copyright laws. And, you know, I was really scared, even though I got off really easy and I never did that again. And so there's just, it's just kind of a little, little warning lesson for you. And it will feed directly into the final section that I'm going to cover. Okay. Um, Because, you know, I changed the name immediately and it was fine. But if you do, you know, continue, if I had continued to just say like, all right, well, I'm just going to create another product called Katniss and then I'm going to create this other product called Hunger Games. And then if I had gotten multiple complaints from from Etsy of trademark infringement, if they warned me multiple times, then they could totally have shut down my entire shop or just, or banned me completely from the platform. Um, The worst case scenario is you could get sued, right? So you do want to take this stuff seriously, but it's probably not going to kill you. (laughs) So with that, let's finally get into the answering of the original question, which is, can I write these song lyrics in calligraphy? You know, a bride wants to pay me to write the song lyrics in calligraphy. Can I do that? Is that a violation of copyright law? So I'm going to ask three questions here because it's not actually a cut and dry answer. It's a bit nuanced. So three questions. First question, when was the song first created, right? The song that the lyrics are from. The, the general rule, and this is, does not cover everything, but it's kind of the general rule, is that copyright protection lasts for the life of the creator of the work plus 70 years. I know that's just the decision that like, okay, that's how long we're going to give. It's about, you know, 
the life of the creator plus like about another lifetime and then it's kind of free free for people to use so if the song was written by someone who's been dead for 70 years or more then that song has probably entered the public domain i put that in quotes public domain which basically means that like it belongs to the public anyone can use it for any purposes anyone can uh, put it on a shirt and sell it or re, you know, mix it into another song or broadcast it as part of their paid performance. It's basically, it belongs to the public. So that's the, the question number one. When was the song first created? And of course, like I, I repeat, there are exceptions and there are certain other things and it gets complicated, but that's kind of an overall rule. Question number two, what is your risk tolerance? For getting caught. So this goes back to the short answer, right? Which was, it might be a violation, but you probably won't get caught. What's your risk tolerance for getting caught? So if you think about it, um, and this is how, you know, as a former practicing lawyer, this is how I like to explain law to all of my students and business coaching clients um, who ask this. And I've said this before in this podcast, but you have to think about the letter of the law. So what the law technically says is not allowed and just and kind of like the reality of the law. So even if the letter of the law, say this song was written 10 years ago, it's still under copyright protection. So it actually would technically be a copyright violation if you were to write those song lyrics and get paid for it. But, I mean, if you're going to write just the one song with lyrics and calligraphy and sell it in a private transaction to one bride and, you know, kind of not advertise it all over the place and not print it into a poster that you're selling thousands of copies of, right? What are the chances, ask yourself, what are the chances that the creator of the song, like, will actually find out this is happening and actually sue you? probably like close to zero. <laughs> it's not worth it for the song creator to, first of all, how would they even find you? I mean, maybe they'll stumble randomly upon an Etsy listing. I don't know, right? So it'd be very hard to find you. Plus, you know, going after you, having a lawyer write a cease and desist letter, that all costs money. And, you know, what's the harm that's been done? Close to zero. So, you know, it's, the risk is pretty minimal here. Now, if you were to write in calligraphy a bunch of Disney songs and then, you know, uh, create prints out of them and then list them on Etsy with the name Disney and Moana and all over the description and headline, like now, right, we're getting into riskier territory. You're, you're violating both copyright and trademark because you've taken the contents of the song, the lyrics, and the name Disney and Moana, right? Um, Disney is kind of notorious for for policing pretty hard their IP rights. IP means intellectual property. Intellectual property is kind of the umbrella term. Trademarks, copyrights, that all falls under IP. Um, but Disney is pretty well known for like, they have an army of lawyers. They're just, they're out there searching the internet all the time for violations of Disney copyrights and trademarks, and they're sending out cease and desist letters. So you know, there's a, probably a much higher chance you're going to get caught. Plus, Etsy probably has kind of automatic, like, if you put Disney in there, they might flag you. So there the risk is higher. That's why question number two is, what is your risk tolerance for getting caught? 
and kind of corollary to that, you know, what are the what are the actual consequences going to be if you do get caught? That's what I mean by letter of the law versus the reality of how the law is enforced. Okay, final question is number three, what are your own values around all of this? Um, you know, and th- this this will vary. Some people think that, you know, ah, I'm a calligrapher. I'm like, I'm just, I'm a mom. I'm doing this on the side. I'm not, you know, I'm not making millions of dollars off this. If I sell a few, you know, song lyrics and calligraphy, it's like not much harm in the grand scheme of things. I'm sure the songwriter wouldn't mind, right? Some people believe that. Others believe that like creators, no matter how big they are, even if it's Taylor Swift, you should not be taken advantage of in this way. You got to, you know, honor the sanctity of the fact that their works are copyrighted. And a lot of people can believe that, right? So these are kind of two ends of a spectrum and there can be belief all along it. No judgment. It's just, that's your call, right? What are your values? Um, There is like a third option here, which is to for you to try and contact the creator of the song and, and actually get their permission to make a copy, you know, to create a calligraphy version and sell it. Um, Probably they won't answer, right? Depending on how big, if it's a huge star, like, you know, Taylor Swift's not going to answer you, right? Her team, whatever, won't answer you. Maybe if it's like an indie songwriter, that you just discovered on Spotify and they're, you know, still making their name, maybe they'll answer you. So um, if they do respond, they might say, oh yeah, go ahead. I don't mind. Right. Or they might see like, yes, you can do that, but you'll need to pay me a licensing fee. And maybe that's $20 or maybe that's a hundred dollars. You know, they can set that. Um, Or they might say, no, please don't do that. This is my work. I really don't want, you know, versions of my work out there. Right. Um, you know, and then the third response is tricky because they've asked you not to do it. And if, if you go and do it anyway, then you're kind of doing it expressly against their wishes. So it's a, it's a bit of a gamble, but there is, I just want to put that option out there. Um, I have, I, my, uh, brother-in-law, for example, does these kind of, he composes music and he puts on these concerts and they did actually want to use a, a work, created by another composer and they reached out to him and turns out the licensing fee was very modest and they paid the licensing fee and then they did it. And he felt good about that. So again, what are your values around it? What's your risk tolerance? You know, what are the consequences if you get caught? So there you go. Hopefully a like plain English, easy to understand, not too boring, just kind of thorough explanation of you know, the stuff that's involved in a question like this. (laughs) Um, And why, you know, it's hard to answer that question with just, you know, like in an Instagram, in an Instagram comment or whatever, which is why I love this podcast. I can just, I can go into way more detail and really kind of um, get into the meat of things. Okay. So hopefully that made, you know, copyright intellectual property, trademark laws, a little bit less confusing for you. There's a whole other side of this when it comes to you being the on the creator side, right? If you are the one who has created the work or trademark and you're, you're needing to enforce, right? That's a whole other, that's a whole other post. Maybe I'll do a whole other podcast on that. Um, but now at least you have an understanding of how it all works. Okay. 
I will see you guys on uh, the next Sheena show. Bye. Oh, you're still here. That's awesome. That means that you like the show, right? Thank you for listening to the end. And I want to ask you a really quick favor. Could you take two seconds right now, literally right now, to just leave a rating on this podcast? And if you're feeling extra generous, write a one sentence review. It really helps more people like you to find this show. You are awesome. I'll see you next time.